What's up, everyone? This is Charlie Maverick back at you one more time. This is the Backyard Pitmaster Podcast, and I'm your host to talk about everything grilling. How's everybody doing? How you been? How was your weekend? We're getting ready to gear up for like the height of summer. Everybody's on the grill, got the Weber kettles out, got their offset smokers. Everybody's putting the charcoal to good use, get the propane tanks filled up. Oh, don't you feel it? As I always say, I wonder, I always wonder, why are the hottest parts of the month technically designated as barbecue season (laughs) when you're over hot, hot temperature already pushing in your face and there's ambient temperature from the weather already hot? I don't know. I always say the fall is my the height of my grilling season and maybe winter, to be honest, because I can take the cold. Yes, but we'll get into a little bit more of that. Thank you for tuning in this time. As always, appreciate your loyalty, your consistency, and tuning in to talk about grilling. This is what we're here for. Live fire cooking. Doesn't matter if you have a propane grill, a pellet smoker, a traditional charcoal grill. Doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all things live fire cooking. Not putting in the oven, not putting in anything electric, boogie woogie woogie, but we're talking about live fire. I got a short little show for you today because I wanted to talk to you about some new charcoal that I started to use, B&B charcoal. It's what a lot of people use out there on the competition circuit. It's a lot, a lot of people use that on the YouTube channels. So I thought I'd deviate from my normal Kingsford or other brands of charcoal briquettes. I used to use lump charcoal a lot when I had a Kamado grill. And what a Kamado grill is, is it's a charcoal grill. It's kind of like a big green egg. It actually is big green egg. It's in that category or a, or a Kamado Joe. It's one of those versatile grills that you can kind of use for a lot of different things. But I use my Weber kettles in kind of the same way. It's just not ceramic. But the, the lump charcoal burns hotter. The bag says cleaner. Yeah. I don't know how to quantify that. And it burns longer. I, In my use of charcoal in the past, I could say, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with the whole burning hotter longer. But I don't always have a use for lump charcoal. I don't. I mean, it's nice to have, but it gets expensive, to be honest. It's not cheap. If you're grilling every day, <laughs> you know, almost every day, and you're using B&B lump charcoal, which is an, is not cheap, it's going to get kind of expensive. You're going to get to the point where, oh, man, I might be on the verge of, like, takeout prices with the meat, the, the charcoal. But one good thing about B&B charcoal and, and other lump charcoals, good lump charcoals, that is, is it does kind of last a pretty good amount of time so you should be able to reuse your charcoal 
and you should be able to, you know, have a good, nice, long cook off it. So you shouldn't have to fill up the charcoal basket or whatever you fill up to keep the fire going. So I'm going to tell you about a little cook that I did this weekend with some spare ribs. And I'm going to tell you about a little journey going down the road of rib tips again. And how that compared to the last time I made some rib tips. But before we get into that, I just wanted to let you guys know that I do appreciate you guys for tuning into the Backyard Pitmaster podcast and all the podcasts on the Mavcast audio blog. If you like to support this podcast and all the other podcasts on the channel, please do so by visiting anchor.fm, the Mavcast forward slash support. You can also see that on your screen. And if you'd like to follow me for background info on the cooks, a little banter I have with the podcast community, you can follow me on Twitter. And you can hear when the, or see, read, when the shows are going to be recorded, posted, when I'm doing some barbecue cooks on the weekend or during the week. And just stay in the know. And I like to promote other podcasters, content creators. So, you know, I got to show love to those that, you know, are doing great things out there. So, as always, promoting the Brown Sugar Cafe with Terrence P. Elmore. Visit his blog. Follow him on the social medias. Buy his books. You know, he's a, he's a great guy doing great things out there in the content world. He's always trying to expand and make himself better. Man, it's good stuff out there. Good positive, positive vibes from a homeboy. And if you are in Charleston, South Carolina, please stop by and visit Daddy's Girls Bakery. Get you some of the world-famous Charleston Chewies. Yes, I talked about the Charleston Chewies on the last Cook and Grits podcast. Oh, my. I'm still working on them. They give you a pretty good quantity. I'm still working on them. Who haven't had them as sweets in a long time? But it is worth it, and it is good. They do other stuff as well as in decorative birthday cakes. They do all type of pastries. Anything pastry they could probably tackle for you with the quickness, with the ease. And, hey, I'm like, y'all need to probably be on, like, Cake Boss or one of them competition shows. They'll probably knock it out of the park with no problem. So please visit the family of Nathaniel Brown. And get some of them good treats. So I welcome you back here, you know. Uh, I talk about all things grilling. I talk about techniques. I talk about mistakes, <laughs> rooms for improvement, and what have you. And But this time, it's it's a rehashing of a couple of things I've talked about before, but using different charcoal since I've started this specific podcast. So B&B Lump Charcoal. So I used that over the past weekend with grilling some you know, spare ribs. It wasn't St. Louis cut until I cut it, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And uh had some rib tips. Rib tips! There's a place in Atlanta, Georgia called This Is It. I don't know if they're still open. Never know because of COVID, but they were known for their rib tips. At least they advertise them. So 
let's talk about the spare ribs first because that will lead into the whole rib tip conversation. So I went to Walmart and I was looking for a good slab of ribs. I wasn't looking for St. Louis cut because, look, here's, here's a pro tip. If you learn how to butcher your meat, cut it up and trim it, all of that, you can actually save a lot of money because when you buy spare ribs, the entire spare rib, not the St. Louis cut, you're basically paying the same price or maybe a little less. You got you to check the packaging if you get the entire spare rib and cut it down. What people tend to not like about getting the entire spare rib is there's a lot of extra stuff on it. It doesn't look pretty. So they want it to look pretty. They want to look like, hey, I'm a pitmaster, pitmaster. But um, you have the rib tips on there. And then you have the ex- like the parts of it that's really thin. That you might need to trim off because it's going to burn, cook faster than the rest of it. And it's not going to be like that good. And then it's not going to look that good when you cut down to the St. Louis trim. I wonder if I can get a picture up here. But what happens is you take that slab of the whole slab of spare ribs, you go in and you take a sharp knife and you go in and tr- you find the bone, the top bone part that separates a little bit from the rib tips. And you know the rib tips because it's the big slab of meat that is above the bone on the spare rib. A good technique is taking that, taking a sharp knife, finding the the little gap between where the bone is and where those the rib tip meat continues and take a nice sharp knife and cut down a line and you make your own, you make your own, St. Louis cut spare ribs. Now what you get from that is you're going to get a whole bunch of meat that you, a lot of people throw it away. Never know why people throw it away. But you take that long slab that you cut on the line of the bone, and then you cut it into about maybe two inch sections. And then you have rib tips. Now I talked about rib tips before. I've bought pre-cut rib tips or pre-trimmed from the spare rib rib tips, and then I cut them into two-inch slices from there. So what I found is that if you cut your own rib tips, it's 10 times better than the one that they already pre-cut for you in the store. For one thing, the pre-cut rib tips I had, they had bone in them. There was a lot of bone. Which led me to believe that they actually took a maybe like a bandsaw or whatever saw they used to cut the meat at the at the butcher or at the processing factory, and they just cut on the high part of the bone but didn't cut above it. So what that gives you is less meat than you were gonna get otherwise if you did your own trimming. So I didn't have any bone (laughs) in these rib tips, maybe a couple. If you get to the thicker part of the slab, you're going to get a little bone. And it all depends on the quality of the 
you know, the slab of rib tips. You could get a clean, smooth cut, or you get you might have to work at it. This one wasn't a clean, smooth cut me. I had to work at it, but at the end, it did look pretty, pretty decent. I'm going to actually try to find uh, a photo with that to show you guys. But yeah, so basically, what happens is you're going to get a lot more tender product rather than getting that pre-cut pack. I don't know why that is, but pro tip, you can buy a slab of pre-cut trimmed St. Louis cut ribs, and then you get a good, get a bag of pre-cut rib tips. Both of them may come together and be something, <laughs> but they're not going to be the best. So you might as well just buy that whole slab and then cut yourself. So what I did is cut those in the two inch sections and then put them on the grill with the St. Louis cut ribs. The access of meat where I cut off both ends of the ribs were put in freezer bags and put in the freezer. Going to use those for something later. You, hey, you use those for anything. This, this good meat, you just don't throw away. Don't throw away your meat, man. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. That's wasteful. That's that's the American way. But you know, I think we're I think we're trying to get to the point where we don't waste food as much as we used to. And being a pit master is trying to know how to use everything from the ruta to the tuta, wherever you can get from. You know, whatever benefit you can get from the meat that you buy, you try to do that. You try to try to use everything. And it's a, it's a way, some people look at it as a way to give honor to the death of that animal. Say, this is how your death did not go in vain. And you fed people for days or at a large quantity amount of people. So I took that. Took those trimmings, put it in the freeze bag, put it in there. And then I put the rib tips on with the spare ribs. So you know how I do spare ribs. I'm not going to break it down. First of all, you got to take the membrane off. And you're like, Charlie, you talked about taking the membrane off before and you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was talking about baby backs a lot in the past, but this time spare ribs. So it's the same method. It's just slightly different technique. Now, if you get a good cut of spare ribs, it technically will give you more meat than baby backs, but you just got to examine the slab to determine what you're going to get. And you can do that. Don't have food delivery send you a slab of ribs and you're like, yeah, they got they got the worst looking one. <laughs> you know, what if the shopper is like, I don't know anything about meat first one i see throw in there when if you go yourself you probably wouldn't you probably wouldn't even put that in the buggy just to be honest but what i did is um season it up salt pepper garlic and then put a little bit of the killer hogs the barbecue rub on there uh put it put it pretty heavily on there use the rest of the bottle and then patted it in there i, I did uh spray with olive oil as a binder and then i did similar things to the rib tips but i use 
uh, a different rub on there and only rub. So I put the, uh, <laughs> every time I say this rub, uh, you know, you guys are immature. Butt rub is, <laughs> is, is really good. It has a really good balance of heat, sweet, and salty. It goes through all those favor combinations in one. If you're too um, liberal with this rub, it can be on the spicy side. So be careful. But if you give it a nice gentle uh, sprinkle across, evenly coated across all the meat, you don't have to do it heavy. And if you want to put a little bit of kosher salt and pepper uh, as a foundation with that, just balance it pretty good. These aren't thick pieces of meat, so you don't have to heavily coat these. And these aren't the main parts of the rib where it's going to be you know, protected by some of the bone and all that, and you're not going to wrap these either. So basically put those on the on the uh, a rack above the ribs that were smoking. And I put, I used a slow and sear and I put the B&B lump charcoal in. Now, my mom was watching me uh, light the fire and I used something that I didn't use in a while because I wanted to maybe show off a little bit, but show that you didn't have to use a lighter fluid, and you didn't even have to use the charcoal chimney. So I had a fire starter, electrical one that looks like a hot branding iron. And you can get these from Amazon. You can probably find them at Walmart. You can probably find them at any uh, big box store, like a home improvement store. Doesn't cost that much, probably like $20 maybe. And you plug that into an extension cord that goes to uh, a three-prong outlet. And you let it rip. And about 10 minutes later, you got hot coals. I would use this fire starter for low and slow cooks. But if you're doing, I don't know, if you do steak, you, you can probably get it to where you want it to be, you know, in a, in a certain amount of time. If you're doing a uh, reverse sear, this depends on how hot you want the coals to be. I would say just leave it in there a little bit longer or move it around a little bit, and then you can get as much coals hot as you want. And you don't have to worry about the charcoal chimney. What happens with the charcoal chimney, a lot of a lot of people are intimidated by it because of the the the, uh, the embers that fly out of the top of it. So if you don't have a really good um, glove to dump this stuff out, you need it. You need a grow glove. Just invest in one. If you don't have a good one of those, you might burn yourself trying to dump the the char the hot charcoal into the grill. You might drop it on something. It's very intimidating. Um, so if you're if you're of a certain age, height, strength level, you know who you are. If if it, if you're intimidated by fire, if you look at the fireplace and you're like I'm not messing with that, charcoal chimney might not be for you. Same thing uh, with the, the lighter fluid. If you can avoid using lighter fluid, please do. That's all you got. I would, I would recommend going to the store first, but if that's all you got, that's all you got. If you just have to use lighter fluid and that's all you have, let it burn a little bit longer. And once you, and hopefully, don't, don't use a lot of lighter fluid. Just use a little bit to get them going. And just let it burn until you don't smell that lighter fluid smell 
in the air. And he should be good. He should be good. So I'm not going to demonize the whole thing about lighter fluid. It has its place over here in the corner as a last resort. So anyway, got that uh, the BMB charcoal in to the low and slow, uh, the slow and sear <laughs> for low and slow cooking. And then let it ride for about 10 minutes. I wanted to maintain about between 250, 275. What I did find with the combination of the slow and sear on the Weber kettle and the BMB lump charcoal is the fact that it did hold temperature pretty well without any intervention. The only time I had to uh, open up and do something to the coals is when it was about, I don't know, four hours in and I wrapped it and I just wanted it to maintain a, a high enough temperature so I'm not cooking the thing for a long time, you know, because it was nighttime. I started to cook at night. It was raining a lot and I was like, it's going to rain a lot the next day, but I'm going to have this thing going um, in the nighttime because I have a, my nice pit set up to where I have lighting. So I let that go while we were watching Black Widow. And uh, yeah, so I had that going. I don't cook the rib tips in the same way as I cook the actual ribs. You heard me talk about ribs before. I won't go through that method. Um, but you basically want to cook it, cook the ribs, smoke the ribs until it gets to a nice mahogany color. Spritz it if you need to with water or apple juice, whatever you whatever you do. You know, it's just a technique. Spray that, spritz it, and then you're ready to put that sucker on uh, and wrap it. What I did with the spare ribs is I took uh, some butter, uh, lined it in the foil, double heavy-duty foil, by the way, and then I put a little brown sugar on the foil right across where the butter is, and I put the ribs meat down, and I... I may have put a little bit, a little bit of uh, sauce on it. So I wrapped it real tight, put it back on the grill, and kept it going. Now for the rib tips, I didn't wrap them at all. Per Pitmaster Malcolm Reed, which I watch a lot on YouTube, didn't. You don't, don't wrap those, and basically what you do with these is if once they get to the color, and you probably would take them off once it gets to the color at the same time as the, the actual rack of ribs, and you dip them in a, and you dunk them in a sauce, and that sauce can be anything that suits your palate, your favorite barbecue sauce, you know, if you want it. To complement the, the the specific rub that I use called butt rub, um, then I would say you go for a little sweeter. It is going to be some heat with it, so sweet and heat is going to match together. So yes, it's going to be a good combination for you. I wouldn't go hot. <laughs> I wouldn't go with a spicy um, barbecue sauce if you're doing uh, that type of rub because it's just going to be extra spicy. Um, yeah, you don't have to put anything extra on. Just dump them, dip, dip them, dunk them, whatever you want to do it in that sauce and put it right back on the grill. And you're going to take them off about the same time, maybe a little bit earlier, as you would the wrapped ribs. 
And you'll know when they are ready to come off because the ribs should be uh, perfectly tender, not fall off the bone. But when you unwrap them, and, and when you wrap them, wrap them in a way. Okay, so I know you can't see, but let, let me tell you how you wrap ribs. Let me, let me do this real quick. So you take the rib, you face down on the foil, double wrapped, heavy duty foil. And then you take it long ways and wrap the sides, bring those in. And then at the ends, make sure you tear a long enough piece of foil for both of these. Um, and you take the ends and fold them in into the top of the ribs and wrap them real tight. So what that does, is it gives you ability to unwrap the ribs when you want to check them and see if they're done without messing up the entire foil. You'd like, you don't have to undo the entire thing of foil. The other thing what it allows you to do, it allows you to actually make a, a rib boat. What I mean by a rib boat is once you unwrap your ribs and you're like, oh man, it's, it's ready for me to have the, the sauce set. So you turn them over on that, on that foil that you unwrapped and you roll up the corners so it makes like a like a bowl of sorts it's a rectangular type of container that you have so you won't have anything dripping and leaking into uh, your grill from the ribs so you want to have that the meat facing up you want to put whatever sauce you want on top of it if you don't want sa additional sauce on it that's fine and you let that go back on the grill for another about 15 minutes and let that set. What you do with the rib tips is you just let them ride. After you dunk them into that sauce, you just let them ride. And you look at it, make sure it doesn't burn. Make sure you keep it at about 250 to 275. Let it roll. Offset heat. Do not do direct heat. Y'all know how I go. I preach indirect cooking all the time. So all the just assume I'm doing indirect cooking. And you, you, you take them off and you're done. It's all good. The, the turnout of it, man, I haven't had spare ribs in a minute. But it turned out really great. It didn't turn out exactly how the, the baby backs do. Because they're different. They're just different. They're different areas of where they cut the rib at. So although the flavor profile was on point uh, and the texture was just about the same, there is a slight different taste that you have from spare ribs than you do from baby backs. And if you ate a lot of ribs over the years, you kind of know what I'm talking about. But if you can peep out that slight nuance, that's cool. But hey, look, it was meaty. It was delicious. It was shimmering. I posted them on to my Twitter. So again, if you would like to see the photos of all the products, go to that Twitter account. I'm just saying. So it turned out well. How do I like the B&B charcoal? I would say I'm not going to use it all the time, but for long cooks like ribs, that might be my rib um charcoal i do like it if especially with cooking for other people if i were to do a steak i don't know if i would it depends it depends 
on the steak. It just depends. If it's going to be a really thick ribeye and I'm going to do a reverse sear, I may use the B&B lump charcoal. Again, you got to use it sparingly because this thing isn't cheap. Now, if you got disposable income, go ahead. <laughs> but you got a Kingsford charcoal, which is on sale during the summer. So, I mean, just, you know, use whatever. The, the taste, the, the, uh, let me tell you about the, the profile of flavor. And one thing I did leave out, one thing I did leave out is the fact that I used cherry wood with, with this. And with the combination of the B&B lump charcoal, which does have oak, it's made of oak wood, and using the cherry wood with it, just one chunk, it turned out beautifully. Now, in the past, I've used the charcoal briquettes, the Kingsford ones, or royal oak, and I've used a combination of post oak wood and cherry wood. Now, using post oak wood... Uh, I got some crazy different type of results from that. It's not consistent and it's not my, it's not my wood of choice. So I definitely always stick to cherry. That's my favorite. Um, but the combination of the B&B lump charcoal and the cherry wood, amazing, amazing. So if I'm cooking for other people, which it's going to be a lot because that's what we're focusing on, trying to get to the catering uh, aspect of cooking and, you know, getting some type of restaurant or food truck set up. Um, it's going to be called Backyard Pitmaster. I don't know. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I like the B&B lump charcoal. I've used different lump charcoals over over time and, you know, in, in different grills. And I got to say... Um, I'm pretty impressed. Um, I've never not been a fan of lump charcoal, but again, it gets a little pricey. It gets a little pricey. So it's not like propane. Depends on where you, the retail you get it from. If you find, if you find a marginal difference between the taste, I would say go for the lower cost. Balance it for special occasions. You know, you, you got like the seasoning or pot, that <laughs> whatever type of seasoning you only use for special occasions. If you make it for yourself, you're like, ah, I'm all right. But yeah, the the B and B lump charcoal, totally cool, worked out well. I will be using it again. I got a big ass bag of it. Shout out to Ace Hardware for having the B and B lump charcoal. I do want to try uh, the meathead. Um, I, I want to try those because meathead is in the barbecue hall of fame and i've heard good stuff about his charcoal but bnb i i've heard a lot of things on facebook and i heard a lot of things on youtube i've seen a lot of things on youtube and i must say um i'm, I'm a fan i'm a fan now between the three main charcoals i use including bnb now i would say i would say my my first go-to my consistent go-to is going to be the uh, the Kingsford. My second is going to be the B&B for you know those those specific cooks where I want to get that consistency, that flavor profile, 
in a combination with the cherry wood. And my third of choice would probably be Royal Oak charcoal briquettes. They're made from hardwood. They don't taste like, I mean, if you if you really go in and try to, you know how wine tasters are. They could taste the body and, the, you know, all that. You know, it has good legs. <laughs> Look at the gams on that wine. <laughs> but um, but yeah, if you if you go into meticulously taste different flavor profiles, and you can have blind, t- you, you probably can't taste it if, until somebody tells you. Then your mind plays tricks on you. But those are my go tos. I I I put raw oak at the bottom of the three because it doesn't reuse that well. It if you cook with it. You probably it's probably gonna just crumble into ash and you can't salvage any of it. That's what I found. That's why I don't like using raw oak or putting it as my number one. It gives you great quality of cooks, really um consistent with temperature. Um it burns hot and long, just kind of like the lump charcoal does, but it doesn't last. It doesn't last at all. You can't reuse uh those charcoal briquettes that much so you're going to be going through charcoal pretty pretty quickly i do like the kingsford only because those i mean those are warriors you can get a good you can dump half of a a chimney of charcoal in to your to your grill and probably get two good cooks out of there no lie as long as you're maybe like two good one to two hour cooks so in a total of five hours once in one sitting or maybe like two and a half hour separate two separate sittings you know cook sessions but yeah i i'm a fan i'm a fan so if you're out there and you're trying to see what type of fuel that you can try to use uh you want recommendations go ahead and do it the other thing is use your own ability to trim and butcher your own meat it'll take a minute It'll be frustrating, but it's worth it. The taste that I get off of these rib tips versus the ones that were pre-cut, night and day different. The the the, the tenderness, night and day different. So I would say, hey, make sure that you follow me for some more techniques. Look at some YouTube videos and you know, watch those to get some techniques. You know, watching is good. Visual aids. I might start to go into the whole tutorial thing with videos or do live streams while I cook. That'd be dope, wouldn't it? Y'all like that. I've heard some requests for me to do that, so I might oblige. Yes, I might oblige to you guys. I don't see why not. You guys are so loyal and whatnot. And uh, yeah, if you are thinking about cooking, grilling, smoking, and you want to talk about it? Join me on the show. We could talk about it all day. I think about having uh, Ben back on the show so we can talk more about grilling. I know he did some tri tips. He's been busy on the West Coast doing some podcast content, going out with family and celebrating an anniversary. So trying to get uh, Ben back on the show so we can talk about some things that he's been doing on his side of the country. And as always, you guys are always always appreciated for your time your dedication to listening and your patronage and if you'd like to support the podcast and the other podcast on the podcast network which is the mathcast audio blog please 
please visit the link, which is anchor.fm, the Mavcast forward slash support. So until next time, everyone, I hope that you are blessed and highly favored. Stay masked up, stay protected, love your family, love yourself, and put God first. Hallelujah. Happy grilling.